Resurrection Sunday. Lord promised that he would be the resurrection and the life. Jesus was raised from the dead on the third day. You know, that, that alone just really had an impact on me. And as it should, as it should impact every single believer. There was this desire that got deposited on inside of me, something, this unquenchable thirst that said, I have to see the dead be raised. And I have a testimony that was so powerful that I want to share it with you today. Ooh, I got goosebumps just even talking about it. But every opportunity I had, I was praying for resurrection. Unfortunately, you know, nothing really happened in that moment. But it wasn't until uh, I went to Australia. So we were in Rwanda. I preached on the Sunday in the church and 90% of the men that were in the church put their hands up for salvation. It was a tremendous time. I was on a preaching tour in Australia for uh, about a month or so. The power of God was so present while I was there. You know, people were getting healed. Uh, you know, metal was melting out of people's bodies. You know, deaf ears were opening up. A couple of people walked out of wheelchairs. I mean, it was just like a revival tour. It was so awesome. Uh, that last week we were there, the Lord showed my wife that she needed to find a man in a hospital in Kigali that was on death's door. And I remember one night I was preaching and I could feel the gift of faith, that this mantle like being wrapped around me. And I know what every time I would feel this particular mantle or this anointing coming over me, dramatic miracles were going to take place. And then Holy Spirit tells me, he says, just have an altar call and bring, invite everyone who needs a miracle to come to the front. On Wednesday, she told me, the Lord told me that I need to take you to the hospital and uh, pray for this man. That night, the Lord uh, gave me a dream about going to a hospital in Kigali and uh, basically rebuke death and raise him back to life. That morning when I got up, I'm pacing in the room because I am disturbed in my spirit. What on earth am I doing in Kigali going to a hospital and my wife looked at me and she says, so what's up? <laughs> and I said, Lord, just showed me I need to go to the hospital with you and pray for this man. Clive earlier said uh, something that goes back more than a thousand years that was in the church that the response on Easter morning, one of them would stand up amongst the disciples and say, he is risen. And the response was always from the other disciples, he is risen indeed. He is risen. I know some of us are new in, in church in the last few years, and so it was interesting. We tried to sing that song this morning. Christ the Lord is risen today. Hallelujah. <laughs> you got to be like an old Baptist or something to remember that one. You know what I like most about this weekend, about Passover, about Easter? For us, it's an annual event. 
It's a celebration of what Jesus did for us and what it means. It's a reminder each year of what's the most important. But in the eternal kingdom, it's a continuous living reality that causes men and women to have their spirit reborn into the very image of God. In the spirit realm, it's just as alive right now as it was when Jesus first ascended from hell and gave hell in the grave as the firstborn from the dead. So today, I'm going to tell you a story. It's a story that's thousands of years old. It's a true story. It's a story about two kingdoms, one ruled by a just and gracious king and one ruled by a wicked prince who stole his throne from someone else. It's the greatest story ever told, and you are part of it, as we are about to see. In the beginning, when God created man, he made him in his own image and likeness, intending for him to be the shining jewel of his creation. Male and female, like him, the very sons and daughters of God, carrying and expressing his power, his nature, and even his glory. To have those with whom for all eternity the Father could share the glories and the unfathomable richness of his kingdom. And for a time, the first man and woman walked in sweet communion with him, delighting in their creation and in his presence. But we know what happened. Our first forefather disobeyed, and choosing to follow the lies of the deceiver, he forsook the glorious one and the splendor of his majesty, and he forfeited his right to walk in fellowship with the creator, casting himself and his offspring into a kingdom of darkness and slavery under the cruel yoke of the enemy of God. But even as it happened, the omnipotent one came to them in the garden, clothing their nakedness with the skins of animals because of his love for them, and declaring There is coming a redeemer who will crush the head of the serpent and restore the sons to the kingdom. For Jehovah knew something that no one else knew. There was a resurrection. Adam lived out his life some 930 years. And when his body was laid in the dust, his spirit was taken by the angels to a place of rest in the bowels of the earth. For even this the great God Jehovah had prepared for. A place of comfort for those who died in obedience to him. And a place of confinement for those who died in their wickedness called Gehenna, the valley of fire. For 2,000 years, men lived and died, the great and the small, the righteous and the wicked, and each one's soul going to the place prepared for it. And through the ages, God, awaiting one with whom he could cut his covenant and begin the great plan of redemption as generation after generation came and went. And then there came a man who said yes, Abraham. And Abraham became the bondservant and the covenant partner of the creator saying yes to his lordship, yes to his governance, and yes to his laws and commands. For many years, he walked with the Lord of all, obeying his commands, learning his ways, and delighting in the intimacy of his friendship and his abundant blessings. And all the while, the promise of Jehovah 
was that Abraham, who had no son, would have an heir, and through him a great nation would be born. The years passed slowly, and then the decades. But true to the word that God had given him, when a hundred years of Abraham's life had passed, his wife Sarah conceived miraculously. And at 90 years of age, she bore him Isaac, named Laughter, the fulfillment of God's promise. Isaac grew and was the delight of his father and mother. But then one night, a strange thing happened. The Lord appeared to Abraham. When the lad was growing into a man and said, Abraham, he said, here I am, Lord. He said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, and sacrifice him before me on Mount Moriah. In obedience to the creator's command, Abraham arose early the next morning and with Isaac began the journey to the place that God had spoken to him of. And upon their arrival, he built the altar, bound his son upon it, and raised the knife that would end Isaac's life. But a voice spoke from heaven and said, Abraham, do not touch the lad. For you have proven to me that you love me more than even your own son. But you see, Abraham knew something in his heart that no other living man knew. There was a resurrection. Throughout the ages, kingdoms rose and fell. Dynasties and empires flourished and conquered and then were themselves conquered and destroyed. Great men and women arose, commanding the destinies of people, nations, and empires. The pharaohs of Egypt, whom were thought to be gods. The kings of Assyria and Babylon, Nabopolassar, Nebuchadnezzar, Cyrus of Persia, Darius of the Medes, Alexander the Great, and then the Caesars of Rome. During whose times... Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, and others prophesied, telling the creator's story and revealing the coming of a great one, of a champion, of a king. And all of them, whether great or small, good or bad, king or slave, died at the end of their days and went to the place of their reward, either Gehenna or Abraham's bosom. But you see, the prophets had foreseen something that none of the world's rulers know. There was a resurrection. And then it happened. A voice crying out in the wilderness of Judea, prepare the way of the Lord. And a king was revealed. A prophet, a savior, a redeemer had come to Israel. He came as a healer to the blind, to the sick, to the weak and to the infirm. He came as a teacher to restore the people to the knowledge of their creator, God. He came as a deliverer, freeing the oppressed, the bound, and the tormented from the grasp of the evil one and the demons, his servants. To the religious leaders of the day, he was a troublemaker, misguided zealot, preaching another gospel than what their forefathers had passed on. 
His teachings contradicted their traditions, disregarded their customs, and paid no attention to their rules concerning the Sabbath. They knew he was a problem and something would have to be done. To the people of Israel, he was an enigma. Some thought that he was the answer to their prayers. Others said, no, no, he's a deceiver, misleading the people for his own purposes. But as the crowds began to grow and the number of disciples increased, the healings multiplied and thousands began to be delivered from the torment of the enemy. The tide of opinion in Israel began to turn in his favor and soon whispers of the coming one, the son of David, Messiah, were heard across the land. To the prince of darkness, this was his worst nightmare. Temptation had utterly failed against the man. Opposition seemed only to increase his fervor in preaching and healing more and more. Every day, those who had been enslaved by Satan's bondage were being given their freedom. And when he stirred the religious leaders to throw him off a cliff or stone him to death, he simply walked through the midst of them and went his way. This one man and those who followed him were destroying his kingdom and there was nothing he could do to stop it. But then one night something changed. One of his own, his inner circle, made himself known to the high priest and said, what will you give me if I deliver him to you? And in the mind of Satan, a plan began to form. Could this be the time? Was this the opportunity that he'd been waiting for? Perhaps now the powers of darkness would see their vengeance. He began to move on the hearts of the rulers to put him to death. And on the eve of Passover, they sent guards with swords and torches to the place where he was accustomed to pray. Jesus being alone with the Father and knowing that all things were now at hand cried out as he sweat tears and blood, oh my Father, if this cup can pass from me, but if not, not my will, but yours be done. For even in the midst of his agony, knowing that he was about to be cut off from his Father in his heart, Jesus knew something that no one else knew. There was a resurrection. The priests and the soldiers came, and to their surprise, he was quickly overcome, and his followers scattered into the night. And the prince of darkness knew this was his chance. Something was different. His guard was down. He must have sinned. He must have made a mistake. We have him. Quickly, the council was convened. False witnesses were paid. Testimonies were made against him. And in the court of the temple of his own God, he was tried for blasphemy and sentenced to death. Knowing that Jesus was vulnerable, Satan vented the rage of his hatred through his persecutors as they began to mock him and spit upon him and strike him with their fists. The soldiers tying him to a post 
whipped him 39 times with a cat of nine tails until his back was torn and raw and he weakened from the loss of blood. To mock him, they wove a crown of thorns, mashed it onto his head, and after beating him again, they led him out of the city, forcing him to carry his own cross to be crucified. As the nails pierced his hands and feet, and the cross was raised into place, the demons laughed and sneered and mocked the one who had been their torment for three and a half years. Even the people said, if you are the chosen one, come down from the cross. Save yourself. You saved others, but you can't save yourself. And as the life ebbed from his body and the time of his death drew near, Jesus, knowing that all things were now in the Father's hand, cried out with a loud voice, it is finished. And as his spirit left his body, the demons dragged his soul into the darkness of the pit of hell. But unknown to the prince of darkness, a plan hidden from before the ages was working. A master plan was being played out that was to forever change the eternal destinies of mankind. A plan that the Bible says was hidden in the wisdom of God that none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. A mystery so well hidden that even when Jesus spoke of his own death and resurrection, the enemy had no ability to hear his words. The attention of the fallen princes was so focused upon their rulership of the earth their position and power that they enjoyed because of Adam's transgression and the fall of man, that they missed the most important thing that was happening in the eternal kingdom, which would be the critical element to seal their own fate. That Jesus, pure and sinless before Almighty God, would offer himself as a sacrifice to pay the price for someone else's sin was totally beyond them. No one in the kingdom of darkness had ever imagined such a thing. It was beyond their comprehension. Every fallen spirit in Satan's kingdom was completely consumed with self, my rights, my position, my satisfaction, my advancement. Lucifer himself had said, I will exalt my throne above the stars of Almighty God. It was a kingdom built entirely unto self. To think that someone would willingly give up all that they had for someone else was completely foreign to the hordes of hell. And then to think that God himself would forsake his mighty power and position, that he would give that away for these weak, pitiful, and sinful creatures of flesh and blood was incomprehensible to them. For three days, Satan and his hordes mocked and tormented Jesus, gloating in their victory. You were supposed to be the Messiah, but look at you now. You were God's champion, but now you're just a worm. An outcast, rejected even by your own God. 
Even Satan hissed from his dark throne, who will save you now, Messiah? I have conquered you, and I will rule the world of men with darkness for eternity, for you have failed. But on the third day, early in the morning, something began to change. A light began to glow, faintly at first, but increasing every moment. The demons began to back away. What is happening? What is it? And Satan, who as Lucifer had known the glory of God in heaven before his fall, began to tremble. It cannot be. I am victorious. He was defeated. It cannot be. But with the brilliance of a thousand suns, the very glory of the almighty God burst throughout the caverns of the damned as Jesus once again, King of kings and Lord of lords, became ruler of all creation. And crushing Satan under his feet, he took from him the scepter of authority given by Adam's transgression. And with the voice of thundering omnipotence, he declared, I am he who lives and was dead. But behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And as the hosts of darkness fell before him and the gates of hell came crashing down in triumph, Jesus came across to Abraham's bosom where awaited him Adam, Abel, Abraham, Moses, Elijah, the prophets of old and the righteous dead for 4,000 years. And with a mighty shout of, I am the resurrection. Jesus brought that great multitude up from the earth and resurrecting his body, now glorified, he led them in triumphant celebration through the gates of heaven as the first fruits of the redeemed of men and the dawning of the general assembly and church of the firstborn, now restored to their creator and the Father God to dwell with him for all eternity. And I say to you today that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the centerpiece of all creation from eternity past, eternity present, and eternity future. It was Jesus' triumph over death that purchased God's redemption for you and for me. No other belief system in creation is founded upon the supernatural act that God would give his own son, Jesus, and show his love for us and his willingness to pay the price for our sins by becoming one of us, dying in our place, and then resurrecting his own body, proving his power over sin, over death, and over hell, and opening the way for all who would receive him to spend eternity with him in heaven. Jesus purchased our salvation. What a joy to be a Christian. What a joy to be a follower of Jesus. What a blessing to know my sins are forgiven, that heaven is my home, and that nothing can ever take me out of the Father's hand. Stand up with me, and let's give our God praise this morning for the great victory. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the King. Hallelujah to 
Jesus, resurrected Lord over heaven and earth. We glorify your name this morning. You might be here this morning and you don't know the story that I just read. Maybe you went to Sunday school years ago. Maybe you went to church. Maybe you haven't been in church. But if you've never received this risen Lord and Savior, I'm going to pray a prayer right now. And I want you to pray that prayer with me. Because all you have to do is say, I believe that. I believe you sent your son for me. And I believe he died. I don't understand how it works, but I believe that God Almighty raised him from the dead on the third day. And so today I open my heart. Let's pray this as a congregation. And if you've never prayed this, if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I'm going to tell you something. The prayer that you're about to change, will change that you're about to pray will change everything. You guys, it's not about going to church. It's not about being a good person. All those things are nice, but none of them get you into heaven. What gets you into heaven is the death, burial, and resurrection of the Son of God and your acceptance of him as Lord and Savior. That's what God asks for every person. So if you would close your eyes, please, and pray this with me as a congregation. Father God, I believe that what happened today, 2,000 years ago, You raised your son son from death death in triumph triumph over hell hell and over the grave. grave. I believe believe that Jesus Jesus was raised from the dead. dead. For me, me, I believe believe that my sins sins have been forgiven forgiven because Jesus Jesus paid my price. price. And today... Easter Sunday, Jesus Christ, I ask you to take my life, to come into my heart, to forgive me of my sins. I receive you today. Do with me what you spoke over my life before I was even born. I am part of your plan. And today I give myself back to the God who made me that you might fulfill your will through my life. I receive you, Jesus. I thank you, Father. I am born again and nothing will ever be the same again. When we're finished today, there's a couple more things going on here. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, come up and see Pastor John. We'll give you some information to let you know a little bit more about the decision that you just made. Hallelujah. Go ahead and be seated. So people start pouring out to the altar. And, you know, there's no time for me to ask people what they need a miracle for because the, the anointing was so strong. You know, and my thought process was, I just need to touch and pray for as many people as I can while this anointing is present. That day we went to the hospital. We followed him all the way up to the third floor and uh, the, the stench of that floor, you knew it was where people died. I said to my wife and I said to the Lord, oh boy, I hope this is right. We got up to the bed of this, this man. 
He was savagely beaten and left for dead. And I said, so if you let the two off, he'd die. And they said, he's basically dead. So I started laying hands on people, and one after another, just boom, 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 they start hitting the deck. You know, the power of God is touching them. People are falling under the power of God. And then I noticed uh, off to a side, uh, there's a woman who's uh, quite far along in, in her pregnancy. Earlier on that day, she went to the doctor, and the doctors told her that she would have a stillborn baby. You know, that they wanted to uh, uh, have a C-section, you know, and, and, and remove this baby. And then she told the doctor, she says, no, I'm going to a revival meeting today. I'm gonna give God an opportunity to move on my child's behalf. So I did exactly as the dream told me to do. I went right up to his ear. And when I got up to this woman, all of a sudden I find myself, boom, I put my hand right on her belly and I'm shocked with myself. I said, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I said, I rebuke the spirit of death and I release life, the resurrection life of Jesus Christ into you now. And I just scream, life in Jesus' name. Immediately when I said the prayer, his eyes opened just like the dream I had the night before. And then when I laid hands on her stomach, and I thought she had fallen under the power of God. But what actually happened was she says that she passed out because she was so frightened because she felt her baby kick. Now, a couple days later, she gives birth to his brand new baby and no trace of death in that little baby's body whatsoever. He looked at me. It was just like the Holy Ghost just came upon me at that time. And I said to him, I said, Maurice, the Lord Jesus Christ loves you and the reason why you're not going to die is because he has a purpose and a destiny for your life. The gift of faith will cause the dead to be raised.
Come on, give the Lord a shout. Hallelujah. Yeah. Can we give these guys a hand? Do you feel the life in here? for joining us online today. I hope the message encouraged and blessed you. You know, you can stay up to date with all things Southside by following us on social media, downloading our app, or checking out our website at svcf.ca. You can also get to know more about my wife and I by following Times of Refreshing on Facebook and Instagram. And thanks everyone for joining us today in building a community of believers together. Have a great week. And you know what? When you get a chance, come and join us here at the church in Calgary. You'll be blessed by it.